You're listening to the Fantasy Football Astronauts. I welcome back Space Cadets to another episode of the Fantasy Football Astronauts. I'm your host today, Rish. You can catch me on Twitter at FF underscore Rish. We have Jetpack with us. What's up, Jetpack? Hey, man, you're really bringing it today. I'm pumped about that. I'm just real, real hyped to get going. Brooks is not here. We don't know where he is. He's MIA. He's probably uh, defeating some bad guys in court, sending them to prison forever. So we thank you, Brooks, for your work. You can kept catch jetpack on twitter at jetpack galileo brooks you can catch him in the courts in arizona uh don't get caught doing anything bad in arizona because brooks will put you behind bars welcome to week eight is it week eight it's, we, it's week eight we're like right at the halfway part point of the season yeah we are that's kind of wild it feels like the season's flying by doesn't it it absolutely has season except for i mean including the niners game this week that flew by oh it sure did that was quite a game to watch i don't know if you had watched the entire thing but from start to finish it looked like something that was really fun to be a part of i i saw the end um i saw different parts during the game just like sideways rain and a monsoon and oh yeah yeah and dude just nobody was passing blood everywhere just yeah it was like 1936 honestly it like it looked like a slip and slide when you were a kid and you just run and you hit the ground and you just keep going and i saw i I forget who it was i saw uh jimmy g shook a a, a defensive lineman and the dude hit the ground and slid like seven or eight (laughs) yards and it just physics didn't the physics of it didn't make sense at all but it was it was wild Really fun yeah. to watch. Really terrible for any wide receivers in the game. Um, but yeah, just looks like an absolute blast. Oh, we have Brooks with us. What's up, my man? Yeah, sorry, oh. dude, I'm late. My bad. No, it's okay. Sometimes we're late, and you know what? That's okay. It's totally okay. Just make sure that you have the right mic on. That's Ooh, my one. Might not. So. so, Brooks, how many bad guys did you put in prison today? Uh, so I am. Is my mic switched over to something? You're like good. That? So I am in the middle of doing jury training. So I have been preoccupied with that and worn out from sitting through presentations today and uh, getting ready to do a DUI hopefully for the uh, end of the semester. So we'll see. You're not. Yeah, I think so. You're not going to be getting a DUI. Oh yeah. No. Correct? No. Uh, no. Prosecuting a DUI. So. Good. Just to clarify, don't drink no. and drive. Wasn't planning on doing that. Um, we did uh, play today with the beer goggles. Like they had us do, like the uh, these goggles that are meant to simulate the disorientation that you have whenever you have like a X amount of intoxication level, BAC level, and uh, blood alcohol content level. That's what BAC stands for. Anyways, it's uh, it was hilarious. Uh, it's, it was I remember fun. that. That was that was like sophomore year of high school. I mean, I'd never played with them before, so it was oh, a lot dude. of fun. Yeah, so cool. It's kind of like the way that Jimmy G targets his receivers. Probably. <laughs> Just all over the place. <laughs> yeah, no, so we played with a uh, we played with these balls, these little like squishy balls and we both wore masks me and someone else in uh, uh, going through the seminar. And uh, I literally am like lined up to throw this ball to this girl 
and uh, I'm like pointing at her. You know, I'm wearing the, the the goggles, the refracting goggles, and I'm pointing at like that, like 45 degrees from this person. <laughs> uh, that, that's how like they were laughing at me and like making fun of me, and I'm I'm literally pointing straight at her, right? but um, the goggles are so disorienting that I can't tell which direction is which. Funny so I imagine there are some uh, quarterbacks that you could consider maybe like Sam Darnold. Like maybe he was wearing some beer goggles this last week. Oh, oof, that was rough watching that. <laughs> yeah. Oh I wonder yeah, he was seeing ghosts. He was seeing That's ghosts. That's what I heard. <laughs> what are your <laughs> thoughts? <laughs> what are your thoughts on them that? playing that? Like like I, that's I read the article on ESPN. It's it's like um it's one of those things that it's it's a split second decision. You could make it into some conspiracy theory. It's like somebody in a um you know in a, in a uh, RV during pro- production of the game made that on the fly decision within like fifteen seconds of it happening. Made the decision to let that air. You know, so it's like yeah, I don't know, it's tough. I would I would have let it air. I mean yeah, just don't see ghosts. Maybe it, it's just like a really weird thing to. Because most of the time when you do the mic'd up, people are like, oh, yeah, like when you watch Juju, Juju's like, oh, hey, what are you doing after the game? I'm trying to get my after game uh, plans all secured. And he's going around being a goofball. And Sam Darnold's just shook. He's just absolutely shook. And you see a starting quarterback in the NFL that that it's it was just such a different mic'd up thing. Like, dude, Sam Darnold <laughs> was absolutely shook the entire game. The Pat, Pat's defense had him just wearing the drunk goggles and and they caught that on on the mic and and display that and that's just like so atypical of what they do for the mic'd up people it was, it was just really it was kind of weird to listen to really I, I mean if you're upset about them showing that you should be upset about them showing the game at all like it's it sucked. <laughs> the, the jets suck no. like whose idea was it to put them on monday night football like Okay, we know that you suck. It's okay if we air a little bit of you freaking out about it. That's not a big deal. It's your own fault. I'm like, well, yeah. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not saying anyone. There's no reason like for. Gase, I think Gase was upset, and he's like, "Oh, we're gonna, you know, whatever." I mean, sucks to suck. Is is really what that comes down. It was to. just. It was just so atypical of what the usual mic'd up thing, and it just caught everyone off guard. You know. Yeah, absolutely. You know who else was caught off guard? was every single fantasy owner that owned David Johnson. Let's talk about some injuries this week. Uh, David Johnson was kind of hyped up as though he was going to be the starter and he was going to play, and then he got like one snap, one carry on the first play of the game, and then they just didn't play him. And then everyone was (sighs) like, oh, Chase Edmonds is a beast. And uh, like the Arizona Cardinals, you see their their Twitter's like, oh, looks like you should have started – uh, Chase Edmonds, not David Johnson. You, all you big fans, you <laughs> idiots. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Barry yeah, went off on him. I mean, real football matters, and fantasy football does not. <laughs> um, it was really funny to, to see the Matt Barry thing. Uh, you just mentioned it. Uh, I don't know. What did you guys think of that? Him freaking out. <laughs> I thought it was. I thought it was really funny. I. I mean, I. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think. I think them like trolling him was like. I don't know if they were trolling him specifically, but I think I think them doing that and being like, "Oh, we got you," was kind of like a, eh, well, like you kind of like what you're supposed to make the decisions off the best possible information, and that that's what everyone did. And yeah. so, like calling everyone dumb for not starting Chase Edmonds was 
dumb in and of itself. It hurts. But <laughs> it but hurts, and we're a like, sensitive group. <laughs> it was like, yeah, everyone, everyone tilt really fast, and so you just yeah. got that. And uh, but I mean, like, I don't, I don't care. You, you kind of knew that. I mean, I started Chase Edmonds in a league because I was like, ah, eh, you know, I don't think David Johnson is going to be super healthy. I don't think he's going to get a ton of snaps, and then just boom, he exploded. So I, I, I don't know. It, it was, it was funny the whole thing um more than frustrating mostly because i'm not a david johnson owner in many places but it was it was kind of funny how the real nfl like yeah they don't care about fantasy and they're just like oh whatever whatever we can do to get a competitive edge so people are game planning for one thing and then uh get caught with another brooks what do you think uh i'm sorry i'm not <laughs> <laughs> it's all right it's all right That's okay. uh no, don't worry about it. <laughs> so I, I actually listened to uh, I listened to a, a Pat McAfee interview with uh, who's the AC something in the center for the Cardinals. I forget his last name. AJ, but Sh- he was like yeah, AC AJ AC Shipley. AQ Shipley. AQ it's Shipley. Like that. That's what it is. it is. No, yeah, I'm it's very like close. Yeah, AQ. Okay. I think it's AQ. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Uh, basically, the, he was like, oh yeah even the special teams got in like for the brand and then uh and then pat mcafee's like yeah except your personal like the personal protector sucked you got way too close to the punter almost blew that entire show and then uh aq's like yeah except the personal protector also ran for 130 yards and two touchdowns that day so maybe he was a little bit tired and then pat's like (laughs) whoa you have the starting running back being the personal protector too i love this guy cliff kingsbury's the man (laughs) <laughs> like just grinding out there. You have your starting running back playing playing these special teams positions and and just being out there every play. It feels like high school. So that yeah, was I mean, so like, Chase, uh, high school Chase, too sometimes when you watch the Cardinals. So uh Chase is a good bump for you though, Rich, just as far as oh, yeah. you kind of digging him coming out of college and you know, he's a good athlete. I think that was a good find, definitely. I think he was just like when you watched him and I didn't have this comp initially uh but looking back it makes a lot of sense he was like a a mini david johnson you know they look he looks like a mini version of david johnson when he's out there and so uh i saw i saw his film he he was uh didn't have a ton of film uh when he was coming out in the draft but he i loved what i saw and uh, i thought he was just excellent so yeah that's one of my that's one of my favorite guys that i kind of found and and hyped up a little bit and seeing him have success is fun but yeah, I think I mean the the offense. The Cardinals don't miss a beat when they put Chase Edmonds in over uh, and, and have to sit David Johnson because they are such similar players and they have such similar skill sets. So like they're it's it's the exact same offense. They run the exact same things. And if David Johnson's in or not doesn't really matter for their scheme overall. Yeah, he yeah. was definitely a guy that we you know made sure we wanted to hold on to just because. Uh, their, their snaps are so high and that offense is always going to be running. Um, and Dave being an older guy, you know, getting hurt, totally a potential. Um, but uh, the other guy who's hurt in that Cardinals offense, is, it looks like he's coming back, uh, Christian Kirk. So that might mix up the wide receiver room a little bit. Are you guys um, excited about anything that's coming out of there? Or what do you think of Kyler Murray kind of struggling against a pretty weak Giants pasty? You know, I, I, I'm curious what what uh, our evaluation is on OU quarterbacks moving forward after Baker's relapse and um, the semi-struggling <laughs> of Kyler Murray. Uh, do you guys still think that OU quarterbacks are as as great as we've made we made them out to be coming into this year? 
I think so. I think what you're seeing with Kyler Murray is he's a sick athlete, right? And he could scramble all these different times. But I think what Cliff Kingsbury is trying to instill in him is to like make checkdowns and don't force plays. Uh, so he, you're, I think what you're seeing is a little bit more conservative Kyler Murray, uh, which, which can definitely lead to him struggling a little bit uh, because it's not his typical, Oh, Hey, I'm the best athlete. I'm going to run around back here and I'm, then I'm going to throw it deep because my wide receivers are better than everyone. So I think what you're seeing is he's going to have some good games. He's going to have some like mediocre games, but he's, he's adapting to the NFL uh, and so there's, there's going to be some growing pains, but I think what you're seeing and, and how Cliff is, is molding him is really good for his long-term usage and his long-term, uh, career in the NFL is he's, he's getting acclimated and he's not just doing his college stuff. He's like getting in an NFL mindset of, okay, I'm not the best athlete on the field anymore. Uh, there are guys that are just as athletic as me. So I have to, in order for my career longevity, I have to be careful with myself and I, I can't just try and force throws all the time. So, uh, I think, I think you're going to see him just continue to grow. And, uh, I mean, as a rookie quarterback, you're going to have lots of growing pains. So I'm, I'm not down on Kyler Murray. Baker's an interesting one though. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, career longevity, can we talk, carry on Johnson a little bit? Ooh, yeah, ouch. Um, well, real quick, though, I, I do think Jalen Hurts will end up being a first-rounder. Um, whether you like him or not as a passer, I, I don't think there's a whole lot of reason to like him as a passer, but uh, I think he'll end up being a first-rounder. Um, and so he'll he'll get a good amount of hype, and he's comparable to Lamar Jackson or anything like that. So I mean, those guys who run and pass, they have you know time to develop. And so if you're competent, uh, in the passing game, and you can figure that out, then the threat you have with your legs is uh, definitely something that teams still still want. In the Absolutely. NFL. Especially yeah. now that, you know, Lamar popping off this season is really going to have an effect on GMs and coaches into the future <laughs> and how yeah. they approach the game as far as quarterbacks goes and being dual threat. And you, you can't deny that that is going to um, change the way the game is played. I, I think that... Um, I will say I think that some teams are going to try it and fail, so oh, yeah. we'll see. We'll see how that goes, but um, I fully expect that to be the case. And the fact is, there are going to be a lot of QB needy teams uh, in the near future with uh, quarterbacks getting old or just kind of some up in the air stuff. Uh, Pittsburgh could need a quarterback in the next couple of years, and Miami and Tennessee and. LA Chargers so I mean there's there's a lot of uh, the the Broncos there's a lot of teams that are going to need a quarterback in the near future so um, Jalen Hurts could definitely get a, an early shot if he lands in one of those good spots um, that has kind of like a progressive uh, head coach that that wants to use his diverse skill set so that that will be interesting to see because he's definitely not a good passer um, or a great passer really uh, he's he's just more of a, a running quarterback brooks you've watched him a little bit more and we can we can talk about that in the off season um but yeah let's get to carry on johnson he's placed on the ir it's a right knee injury last season he missed six games uh the last six games of the season with a left knee injury uh and so he had kind of an unspecified surgery or at least i haven't seen anything yet i don't know if anything's come out since i last checked uh brooks do you have any thoughts on him 
Yeah, he should have stuck to a stinking committee. I've been telling you guys this. Uh, they, they thought about doing a committee. They planned on doing a committee. Then they're like, oh, no, you know, we don't need this much depth. We'll, we, you know, we can upgrade Ty Johnson to be the number two. And, you know, now Ty Johnson's your only guy, really. Uh, and this is why people have committees. And I get that we don't like them for fantasy, but I think it's very real. Uh, that there's a reason why, and uh, I don't always agree with the reason. I think there are certain running backs that are fully capable of doing it, and the ones that are coming off of a serious knee injury the previous season, uh, as was Kerry and Johnson, those are not the people that need to be getting a full workload like that. So not surprised. Uh, you know, Caron's had an okay so-so season. Definitely not the RB1 season that you were hoping for, but... Uh, he's been, I you know Ben, you're kind of, or excuse me, Jetpack, you're kind of trashing him a little bit. I, I don't think that he's necessarily been the worst. I think he's been absolutely fine. It's just, you know, but he's not been the superb top tier guy. And yeah. I'm, I'm definitely not surprised that he got injured with his utilization so far. Uh, do you own him anywhere? No. Yeah, then you don't know. <laughs> we, well, had a guy, don't... we had a guy in our league take him number seven overall. <laughs> like, Ooh. we had, Ooh. we had, like, I mean, the, the carry-on hype was out of control after CJ got cut. And I think it's just good for everybody to take a step back and consider their process, right? A head coach comes out and says, we're going to be a committee. Like, forget it. That That's so important and valuable. And, it, I mean, things can change a little bit. But carry-on was, was – when, when carry-on was healthy, weeks one through six, he was RB25. And you paid a first or second round pick for him. That's not what you want. Um, so to me, people are going to get bailed out, a lot of analysts, because of the injuries, things like that. Carry on is plenty talented, but when a back is in a committee, volume is king. That's all that matters. And so like for everybody's process moving forward, yes, like he's injury prone and he's in a committee. So you just got to knock those guys down no matter no matter what that looks like going into the season. So I was really hoping for kind of a high-end RB2 season for carry-on. So I didn't. I wasn't spending that early draft capital on him. Uh, third round, I think, uh, is where I was kind of targeting him. Got him in a couple places, but uh, it was it was really interesting watching him because you can see him flash, and you know, I mean, he's not he's not a perfect running back, so he'll miss reads and whatever. But uh, he's he's a very talented running back. He's got good vision um, and. You just see where he struggles, and it's because his offensive line does not hold up. And so there's there's guys in the backfield, and all of a sudden he's having to make guys miss in the backfield, or he's he's just getting hit right away. And so when uh, when he excels is when he gets into a little bit of space, and he just wasn't getting that. So uh, moving forward, I I'm not like Ty Ty Johnson will be fine, and and if you're running back needy, he'll be. Uh, he'll be maybe just a touch below what uh, what carry on was. So, so I mean, you're you're looking at at RB three flex play there, but JD McKissick's kind of the one that's interesting to me because they use him sort of in uh in that pass catching role, and he's he's hyper efficient. He was a wide receiver actually in college, and he transitioned to a running back, so he's a great pass catching back. And uh, I think I think he like if you can't get Ty Johnson because Ty will probably get a little bit more volume there 
JD McKissick's a guy that's uh, very intriguing to me just because of his efficiency and how they're going to use him in the past game. Do you guys have any thoughts on on what you want to do to replace uh, carry on or what you would suggest to replace carry on? I'm not excited about, or I mean, the landscape of, of running backs this season has not been pretty, so I'm not excited, but I, I do think Ty Johnson is the one that I will um, probably be relying on, but I'm not excited about it. It's just like, this isn't the offense that we expected from Daryl Bell for fantasy, at least for there's no sort of exciting, consistent running game. That, that we were hoping for. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I What are your thoughts, Rich or Jetpack, on that specifically? Do you think that this has been an effective use of uh, you know their running game, or do you think that they've become more pass-centric? Because that's what it seemed like in recent weeks that, that they've started to retreat into. It's, it's been really interesting because... Um what uh what i've seen is just like i was saying what i've seen is the uh the o-line not being great and so you have that and you're forced to pass a little bit more uh the wide receivers are getting plenty of volume and matt stafford is playing really well so when that mojo is working i don't see why you would stray away from it um you have some excellent wide receivers you have a, a good tight end and so uh i think I think it's hard to commit to a hard run game when something like when, when you're not seeing success with it. So uh, it's, yeah, I'm still, I'm still very, very high on the pass offense uh, for the Detroit lions. It's uh, yeah, it it isn't, it isn't at all what we were expecting from Daryl Bevel. Uh, So it, it kind of, it's I'm just thinking of like Seahawks in the, in the midst of Marshawn Lynch of uh, beast mode, you know, powerhouse Seahawks. So that I just to me has not been what uh, this year has not been what I expected to see, like that sort of stuff. Because that, that's kind of one of the reasons that Caron Johnson got hyped so much it was because of that exact situation. So yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. It's it's tough, um, but yeah. So it's it's why because we haven't seen it. I think it's I think it all stems from that offensive line, and until we see improvements there. Uh, I don't think we're going to see what we saw with the Seahawks, regardless of how talented the the running backs are. Even if Ty Johnson is the most talented backup in the league, it's not going to matter. You know. So, what are your thoughts on the Pat Mahomes injury? You guys give me some information because I know nothing about uh, the the actual medical side of his injury. Oh, Jetpack, you want to take this one? Sure. So he dislocated his patella. Uh, you don't want to see that guy slip sliding around. Um, it's pretty painful. What is uh, the patella? The patella is the kneecap. So his kneecap, when he went in uh, and he rushed forward, the kneecap slid out to the side, uh, and then they had to like pop it back in. So the deal there is, oftentimes when it does slide out, that you'll tear some of the the tissue on the inside uh, that holds the kneecap there. It's called your uh, medial patella femoral ligament. Um, and so when that comes apart, uh, then the stability decreases. So um, it doesn't sound like they had surgery. Do you guys know if they did surgery at all, Rish? Do you know it that? Was, it did not look like there were, uh, was any ligamentous damage. So that's yeah. a huge, that's huge. Big. Yeah, like that's awesome for Pat Mahomes. And then at this point, it's really how is the pain? Because it is one of the more painful things you can experience. And uh, 
you saw them pop it back into place. You, it literally just, it goes back into place as soon as you straighten your leg. Um, but it is super, super painful. So it's going to be, is that, is his knee stable? Like, can, can he stabilize his knee? Because, because, uh, the incidence of a second patellar dislocation is higher after the first one. Uh, so, so they have to make sure that his knee feels stable and that he can do everything. Um, and that his pain is down. So, cause it's, it's going to be a painful, a painful thing. Now, could he come back in two weeks? Probably. Should he, as their franchise quarterback, come back in two weeks? No. And that's why I don't think they will rush to bring him back. So I think he could physically be able to uh, come back before he does come back. It's just going to be, okay, we have the reigning MVP. We have our franchise quarterback. Like The entire franchise is on this dude's shoulders. There is no reason to bring him back when we're in first place, when we have a, a, a lot of other playmakers um, on this offense that we can turn to and when our defense is starting to step up. So um, that's that's kind of what it looks like for Pat Mahomes. I don't think it's going to be a long-term issue. Do you, Jetpack? I think it could bother him down the pipeline of his career, but right now I'm not too concerned. It's very much one of those things where – one time you're okay with it. Two times you start to get worried. Uh, the patella dislocating—that's a becomes a chronic thing. That's that becomes an issue definitely. I, I have I have had a patient. Um, she was a horseback rider, and it dislocated once, and it's just been kind of a struggle to uh, get that thing to stabilize. Yes. Uh, so so that is the problem, but seeing as he's young in shape strong like and he has all these all, all these resources accessible to him i think they'll do a really good job rehabbing it and making sure that it's stable and they will not put him in those risky situations again um there andy reed caught a lot of flack for running that quarterback sneak but so that's why i'm not super concerned long term is because now they know okay we have this thing that could happen um but I, I don't, I'm not, yeah, I'm not concerned long-term for him because it kind of seemed like a freak thing where his knee got hit by someone. Yeah, uh, I wanted to I remind say, everyone that, that to our listeners is that Risher and uh, Jetpack are both legitimate doctors. So, uh, you know, there are a lot of fantasy analysts out there that'll be like, oh, well, they say that this injury lasts this long. Well, these two guys actually see and deal with these injuries on a daily basis. Like, you're getting legitimate insight from real doctors whenever you... Uh, get medical analysis from these two. So I, I think it's one of the things that brings a lot of value to our show. Uh, so I just don't want you guys to ever be, you know, questioned as far as your knowledge goes, because you do have infinite more knowledge than 99.99% of the community. Uh, do you think the Chiefs are going to be able to get out of two weeks with, uh, you know, they've got, they've got the Packers next week and then the Vikings the week after that. Are they going to survive? Uh, no, I don't. I think they'll lose both. So I they think, end up five and four when it, by the time if he comes back by then, maybe even five and five. I think the Vikings they have a chance against. Uh, I you think the Packers are that good? Because I know I the, the Packers, Packers are better than the Bears, so I mean that means they must be pretty good, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Get back to well, what you're say. Anymore. I'm sorry, I, I cut you off. <laughs> oh, all I was gonna say is I've treated three people with patella dislocations, and and in their history, every single one of them had had multiple. Right. series of it so yeah there's re-risk 
injury rate. Yeah. Did, okay, yeah, so with that stabilization, did, yeah. does it um, make you more prone to other similar knee injuries when you have destabilization in the knee? It definitely can. Yeah. Wonderful. It yeah. is. It's absolutely a, <laughs> a, wonderful, a wonderfully terrifying thing. So yeah. you're happy that it's a short-term injury in terms of like he doesn't need surgery necessarily, all this kind of stuff. Um, but there's recurring risk. So, yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely a manageable risk though. So, I mean, maybe, maybe I'm a little on the less cautious side. Uh, I still, I still think he's like the quarterback one for dynasty purposes. Uh, it, like that, like that doesn't scare me. I don't think, I don't think it's like a career ending. Oh, this is, this is a death sentence for him. It's definitely something that, that could come back up. The good news is, and and correct me if if you've seen anything different, Jetpack, is when it does happen the second time, it's a lot faster recovery. The first time is a little bit traumatic, uh, but the second time is uh, is a faster recovery, uh, at least from sure. what I've seen. Yeah, they're they're going to have to figure out. A, I mean, I'm sure they're taping it and doing all the really great stuff that they'll do. That, I mean, they have the best tools and all that kind of stuff. But like for me, comparatively, it's like uh, turf toe for Devonte Adams. You're concerned. I mean, that's concerning, right? A guy, yeah. you know, that that's a significant injury where, okay, maybe he's out four weeks or so. And you're like, okay, he'll come back. Happy about that. But down the road, that's going to affect him. That's going to change some of the mechanics. You saw the same thing with AJ Green. AJ Green uh, was, I think, I believe 27 when he had his first turf toe injury and he missed like three games. And then the, the year after that, he played fine. And then now he, he had the turf toe again in 2018 and then now in 2019 he's spraining the same side ankle and so your mechanics change when you you know suffer an injury and then if that becomes a recurring issue then that starts to plague you throughout your career with Mahomes specifically I'm not as concerned simply because he plays quarterback so if they can lock down the knee and, and get that going and where he can absorb hits there um, because he's not moving and running around too much you know overall I'm not saying oh we need to watch out for Mahomes's career or anything like that I'm not we're not even like touching that at all um, it's more of just like okay let me just, you know, keep this in store for later as far as, you know, managing and understanding who he is and all that kind of stuff. Um, that's a, that's a, uh, interesting. You bring up Devonte Adams. Um, he, we don't, we don't have much information on Devonte Adams thus far. Uh, he did not play this past week, so he's missed two games at this point. Is that where we're at? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we don't have a ton of information uh i i have seen i think so the the one thing that was very very uh concerning for me i i am not a hundred percent on this and i don't uh i don't want to go back and check because it take too long to search but i believe uh derrick rose before he tore his acl he had turf toe and because that changes your mechanics just like you said that can be uh that can lead to other different injuries but it's not like a a progression of oh it leads to this and this and this and this um it it changes things and it could be a slew of different things so not saying that Devonte adams is going to be chronically injured the rest of his career but it's as you're as you are trading for him or as you are evaluating uh him as a dynasty asset you have to keep that in mind that that for these explosive wide receivers that big toe is very important and uh, this turf toe injury isn't something that, uh, especially at what is he, 27, 26, 
especially as he's nearing the other side of the uh, age apex, it's it's not something that you should just be taken lightly. You should you should look at it and be like, all right, is he truly the number one dynasty wide receiver, which a lot of people were saying, or is it someone that's a little bit less uh, injury prone, a little bit uh, a little bit safer pick uh, like a Michael Thomas? So that's that's like- that's what I have to say on that. I've never heard you use the word age apex, which is an absolutely perfect image of what it is, right? Well, like from Jetpack's research, that's what it is. There's an age apex. Is it 28 or 29, Jetpack? Uh, for receivers, it's closer to 29. For running backs, it's uh, 27, 28. So there's a clear change of production once you hit those ages uh, from all quarterbacks or excuse me, of all players, running backs and receivers, historically, Jetpack's data stretches all the way back into how deep? To the 70s? <laughs> no, it's 94. 94. Just, yeah, 25 years. So 25 years of data, that's that's the effect. So I, I just think that that's I, – I don't think that we've ever called it the age apex, but it's a perfect phrasing for it. I love that. So I wanted to give you props. Hey, I did hear that from a different podcast. But I will. We we definitely should no, use it as we it's as we talk about uh, just how we value uh, dynasty players. We are the imperialist Chinese government here to take over that <laughs> phrasing, and it is now ours. <laughs> and so, so the last guy that we want to talk about, there were there were a slew of injuries this week. Uh, the last guy that we really want to talk about, as far as uh seasonal outlook because everyone else is kind of either getting close to being back or uh or or gonna be out for a while so there's not a ton of uh intrigue there but tyrell williams uh his feet he has plantar fasciitis that's that's kind of been a lingering issue now he went through the bye week still didn't play after the bye week so jetpack is what are you thinking as far as his feet he's running now but but what are what are you looking at as far as uh as far as his outlook for the rest of the season you know it's a total disaster actually and my only solution i think would be to uh start some cryotherapy treatment you guys know that the athletes at central michigan are really raving about the cryotherapy used on the feet so yeah, I, do you know, they actually I, wear the uh, the feet mask things, the, the little shoe things? No, do, you, do you do that when you have plantar fasciitis? They didn't I don't tell know. Antonio Brown how to wear it when he was at Central Michigan. So I've heard it's much more yeah, effective I mean, without the booties. Yeah, if you're looking for a way to get out of Oakland, which we all are, uh, you know, I would recommend that right away for Tyrell. So, um, yeah, I mean, all like let's get him in that cryo chamber. Let's get him out of Oakland. Um, but yeah, he's when he comes back, their wide receiver core is not very strong, and so look for him to make an immediate impact when he comes back. Uh, but for right now, it's like we're just not really sure. He's starting to run. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Oh, last sorry, I know I said that was the last guy. Uh, Will Fuller, his hamstring looks to be a multiple week injury. Uh, stock up Kenny Stills and Kiki QT. That's that's all I really have there. Uh, Will Fuller gonna yeah, be out for a little while. Legitimately, legitimately stock up Kenny Stills. Uh, Will Fuller taking ninety percent of the snaps or whatever. Um, Kenny Stills get excited for. Oh, Will Fuller is the Will Fuller that we all know and love. <laughs> right, he is explosive and oh, awesome. Man. And in yeah. my opinion, Completely he's more, unpredictable. He's, he is. 
he is so phenomenal uh, just with everything he does on the field, but he cannot stay on it. Um, and so this is where we are at, right on cue, actually. Week eight is what we wanted to see from Will Fuller. And perfect timing, by the way, with my moon phases. Yeah. We have come out of the – oh, by the way, Will Fuller did outscore Mike Evans just as I predicted with the moon phases. <laughs> Um, and so like, I think it's really starting to click guys. I'm very excited about the way that that's turning out. Um, we're no longer in the gibbous moon phase. The next phase will actually have a half moon. And so one could say it's like even side to side. And so I would be starting Mike Evans this week over Will Fuller for sure. That's going to be my decision there. (laughs) Mike Evans over Will Fuller based on the moon phases. It's a half moon coming up this Sunday. Get excited. And it really, you know, as well as it being kind of like an even half, so you start Mike Evans. uh, Will Fuller only has half of his legs working properly right now. So it really, you know, like the parallels are there. And I think think this (laughs) this method is undefeated. So far, so far. Speaking of space, let's talk about some shooting stars. These are guys that have uh, seemingly broken out. Uh, can they repeat their numbers, or are they just a shooting star getting lost in the night, burning out? Uh, MVS, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, speed kills. He had three targets for like 133 yards, two catches, 133 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Zach Pascal um, had seven targets, 47% snap share. Chase Edmonds. Uh, we already talked about him a little bit. Marvin Jones just dominated Xavier Rhodes. Sorry about you, Jeff Dunnick. Uh, Jacoby Brissett, <laughs> is he the real deal? Does Andrew Luck, is Andrew Luck just kind of a guy? And Jacoby Brissett is actually the real deal? Uh, Latavius Murray, what does that say about the Bears' defense as well? Devontae Parker, is he having a coming-of-age party with Ryan Fitzmagic? And is it the Corey Davis show now? with Ryan Tannehill being so much better than Marcus Mariota. Brooks, any of those guys stick out as people that are sticking around, or are they all shooting stars? Let's talk to Jacoby Brissett real quick. I mean, I did. I doubted the brisket. I doubted him, and I was so wrong. Jacoby uh, Brissett. You know, I, I, at the beginning of the season, when, when luck, first of all, I was super bitter because I had luck. Uh, you know, mm. the day that we released our quarterback rating rankings, I believe it was like a day or two before his announcement that he was going to retire. And I still don't know how I feel about his retirement, but I don't want to get too much into that. Let's get stick to J- Jacoby, uh, who's a big astronaut uh, space fan, by the way, very uh, philosophical thoughts and tweets. I, I hope that we see more of that Jacoby. Uh, but, you know, the guy, has been absolutely stellar coming off of the like a number two role, jumping in uh, to the starting spot, and I don't really think that the we we all pulled the the Colts players down notches at the beginning of the season, and we were wrong. Uh, Marlon Mack has been phenomenal. Uh, Jacoby's been phenomenal. T.Y. Hilton's been the exact kind of T.Y. Hilton that you've always been able to get about. Uh, Borderline wide receiver one, you know, very talented and pretty consistent. So, yeah, no, I like Jacoby Brissett. I think that it's funny how, because the people that I brought up were <laughs> the, do you make a trade for Ryan Tannehill from the Titans? Do you, or uh, Marcus Mariota for the Titans? 
Do you make a trade with uh, Mason Rudolph for Mason Rudolph? I said that a specific name before he got injured. Ben Roethlisberger got injured. And I said one other person. I don't remember who it was now. Um, maybe if you guys remember that tweet. But it's funny how everybody I listed as like the best backups have actually or, um, you know, potential starters have kind of actually come into roles this year as well. And we've been able to kind of compare them. And I do think Jacoby has been the cream of the crop of those that list. So I can't remember yeah, I who think. that other guy was. Do you remember yeah, that? Think. Do you remember that tweet though, right? Gardner Minshew. We definitely wasn't Gardner and Gardner. <laughs> yeah. <out> as well. <laughs> yeah. I think what we're, what we're finding is that just like how running backs don't matter, quarterbacks don't matter. I mean, <laughs> look at the way that Matt Moore sliced up the Denver Broncos. Six for and, six for a hundo. I mean, come on. Gardner Minshew comes in wherever he wants to teams that aren't the Saints. And then the uh, Jacoby Brissett just being a total machine. Who who cares about Andrew Luck at all? Who cares? This I got team, one more. This team is just as good as they would have been with the Andrew Luck. They're be- they beat the Chiefs, right? They're like the second or third yeah. best team in the, in the AFC. That's awesome. That's as good as you can ask for um, from the brisket. Yeah, so one more, like, one more backup for you. Chase Daniel is just oh, yeah. mediocre as That's Mitch true. Trubisky. The Bears are yeah, the another. the Bears are just as average with Chase Daniel as they are with yeah. Mitch. Absolutely. <laughs> Find out. Oh, yeah, I mean, I have is a Bears fan today. I gave him a hard time. I have no doubt that if Nick Mullins was playing right now, we would also be six and out or seven and or whatever we are. Right? Like defeated. There's so many times you can just. Jimmy G just hangs out. He he he's putting up Colin Kaepernick stats, like 178 and an interception and a win. Like <laughs> you know, um, it's it's uh it's fun to watch as a Niners fan to know that like it does not matter at all what your quarterback does. Uh, the, the team the team will rally. <laughs> so here's the interesting thing as well. What about the Tom Brady quarterback tree? Starting quarterbacks in the NFL that were Tom Brady's backups are legit. Well, it's Jimmy mm-hmm. G is um, so far pretty questionable, but Jimmy G is an undefeated quarterback this season. He's okay. 14. He's 14 and two as a starter. That's a full season. And he, that's elite. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby Brissett was serviceable for the Colts last year when he jumped in and didn't know the playbook at all. Yeah. Like Big you, facts, you, man. You forget that last year Jacoby Brissett jumped in and like like these quarterbacks have a full year to know the playbook, to learn the playbook, to get used to the the offensive play caller, and like they still can have mediocre seasons. Jacoby Brissett jumped in and played decently well last year, and he didn't know the playbook at all. He jumped in halfway through the season, you know. So like that's yeah. that's saying something. Jacoby Brissett, I think, is the real deal. Uh, Chase Edmonds, I think, is the real deal. Uh, I don't know that he will be like fantasy relevant every single week, but I think he is one of the better backups in the league. And if anything happens to David Johnson, you are very, very secure in Chase Edmonds. I also think Marvin Jones, uh, I, I've liked Marvin Jones for a long time. Um, I like he's he's going to be a little bit hit or miss as far as his boom weeks, but I think uh, if he doesn't get injured, like, they have, he really he has like no floor, but if he doesn't get injured, <laughs> he no he's, a pretty, he's a pretty safe play. 
Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> that's right. You know, uh, to me, Mar Marvin's the, actually the better receiver of the two, and that's why I traded you Kenny Galladay. By the way, um, I I love me some Marvin Jones. Um, so like comparatively, it's it's very similar to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin in terms of what each player offers you, the skill set, the how it fits into what the quarterback's looking for. Marv is a natural separator. He's like sexy smooth in his hips. And he just does whatever he wants to Xavier Rhodes, and that's you know super awesome to watch. So uh, Marv has been a stud. This this was just more of a breakout game. Um, MVS I think is the most interesting one uh, because he's a guy that we've liked or or have said we want the Packers you know top wide receiver, and he took 20, 20 snaps last game, and that showed that he had lost his role a little bit. So you know he took the least amount of snaps of anybody that was relevant in that uh, wide receiver course. So like Alan Lazard took more, uh, Geronimo Allison took more. And so it'll be really interesting to see what they do going forward in terms of, are they going to try to keep him involved because he was having a hard time against quality corners. So what you have to end up doing there is, you know, maybe if you see a team like the Raiders who just are crappy on the whole back end, that'd be a MBS kind of game where I'm willing to gamble or I'm willing to throw the dice out on that. What do you uh what do you guys think of Corey Davis? Is he this will this will be the last kind of guy we hit here. Corey Davis. Is this like how many more weeks do you, of Corey Davis performing do you need to see before you believe that Ryan Tannehill unlocked him? Don't well, trust, many... never trust. <laughs> <laughs> Don't trust, never trust. Corey Davis. Get out of here. <laughs> So no, I, um, I I just don't know how I, I I don't know how I can get excited about Corey Davis right now. Uh, they, throughout his career, he's never been consistent. Uh, never been uh, from a fantasy perspective, never been consistent. Uh, I think the talent we've always thought the talent was there. Right? He was the number one receiver in his class, pretty much consensusly. I don't know if that's actually a word, but Mike, Mike uh, Williams and Corey Davis were, t were the top two, right? Right? Is that this that, yeah. that class? Yep. I'm pretty sure I don't know when each of them were taken. Uh, five and seven. Okay. Who was first? Uh, Corey Davis was five. Mike Williams was seven. John Ross was nine. Oh, how about that, huh? Yeesh. Interesting receiver. Class. How about that for draft cap? Uh, but but I do think Corey Davis still is the best of those three. Not that Mike Williams isn't still really good. He just he isn't used in the role to be. Anyways, my point is just that. He, it's just he's never been utilized in a way that makes him effective, and that's why, uh, you know, landing spot is such an important portion of the evaluation alongside talent because landing spot can make your talent irrelevant. And so far, I mean, just not somebody I want. That's not somebody I could trust. I, I won't trust him for. I, I don't own him anywhere, so I don't need to worry about it because I don't. He, Do I own him one place. Not. Because of you, right? Uh, it was <laughs> our joint team that I would never have, have drafted him. But I remember like praising you when you drafted him because, like, oh, that's like a pick I wouldn't have made, but like, that's a good pick here, I think. No, it wasn't a good pick there. It's never a good pick. Never trust Corey Davis ever. <laughs> so, uh, my takeaway I, I watched the, the old taperoni. Uh, we got the all 22 up early. So, that was good to see. Uh, the deal with Corey Davis and Ryan Tannehill was that Ryan Tannehill was just like squeezing the ball in there and like had some balls on him. Like it was actually kind of fun to watch. Um, I think part of the issue with Marcus is that he's just scared either for his job or screwing up or whatever. Um, and he wouldn't 
and and Tannehill was legitimately just like gunning it into tight holes and tight spaces. And you're going to need to do that with Corey Davis. He's not, you know, special at separating necessarily. He's a good overall receiver and he can make a play for you. But Marcus just simply wasn't getting in the ball. Um, and Tannehill did immediately. Um, I, I'm not at all saying it's time to get excited about Corey Davis. It is time to pay attention, though, um, because I think going forward, they'll, they'll sign a new quarterback or they'll draft a guy. And that'll be, you know, somebody that, that you get excited about. If, if anything, though, I'm not buying Corey Davis, I may be holding, right? It's not necessarily like, oh, yeah, I need to hop on this train. Um, if there was a guy that I would go to, it would actually be probably cheaper. Um, and I would think about going and grabbing him um, rather than going and grab Corey Davis. Well, long term, just who do you think is going to have – uh, the better career in the next three years, AJ Brown or Corey Davis? AJ Brown. If you if I had to put money on it, AJ Brown. But I would have said as well. Uh, yeah, I think I think AJ Brown is just a, a touch better. He's already starting to break out. I think he actually had more targets than Corey Davis this past week. Uh, so both guys to keep your eyes on. Um not guys that I'm overspending on because there are proven assets. But if I can get either one uh, for a deal, I'm not going to say no to it because there, it looks like there's some life breathed, in, breathed into this offense with Ryan Tannehill and potentially with a new quarterback next year. So uh, that's all I have to say on that. We talked a little bit about grinding the tape. Let's talk about our YouTube channel. If you have not checked us out yet, uh, FF astronauts on YouTube, we're pumping out videos as much as we can. Once Brooks is off jury duty, uh, he'll be getting some more out there. Jetpack has been just an absolute stud with these videos. He's got really insightful ones. And if you if you want a good laugh, go go watch. Uh, what was the one? The slice of slice of the pie, slice of the pizza. <laughs> yeah, the Vikings, Vikings pizza, man. Vikings That's pizza. Just, uh, Fifteen seconds of glory. Yeah, there's there's a couple that Jetpack has in there that are that are short ones that are insightful and funny. Um, you should definitely go check those out. Let's finish this up, this podcast up with uh, two trades that just happened uh, today. Both of them today, I believe. Uh, as you guys will be listening to this, it'll be um, yesterday. But Mohamed Sanu traded to the Patriots. What does this do for uh, the Patriots offense, Falcons offense? And what does this mean for Nikhil Harry? Like what, how, like the Pat, the Patriots are having success and they're undefeated, but they still felt the need to go out and get a wide receiver. What does this mean for Nikhil Harry's dynasty value? Jetpack, do you have any thoughts on any of those three? Uh, for Nikhil's value, that's where I, I would look to right away. You're in bummer town here because <laughs> for every chance that they have had to figure out a way to not get Nikhil going, they have taken that chance. So they just spent a second round pick for Mohamed Sanu, who is basically what everything that they would have hoped Nikhil would be. Um, and so the deal there is you're you're in definitely in trouble um, if you're a Nikhil Harry owner. It's part of why I faded him um, because I don't want to invest anything into a third string wide receiver. Um, and that is exactly what he is. He got IR stashed like he was Kenneth Dixon um, because he just had like an ankle sprain. And unless he gets surgery, that will tell you that he just simply sucked and was not ready to to play. Um, and so 
we're like the the injury designation time to return, I believe, is around week, and so they should be getting Nikhil back. But they're like, nah, let's just spend a second round. Pick. A second round pick is huge. Yeah. Like Antonio Brown was a, I don't know, he was probably a third rounder or a fifth rounder or something like that. A second round pick is as big of a trade that you will see for a thirty year old receiver out there. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, it says a lot about what they think about Nikhil, in my opinion. Um, you, you know, you can buy Nikhil at a discount or do whatever, but you know, how, who's he going to beat out? Who's he going to beat out? Can't beat out anybody. Not on this Pat's offense. This Pat's offense is ferocious and full of, uh, weapons here. So I think the thing that's, that's the most interesting to me with this trade is what it does to the Falcons offense, uh, and Calvin Ridley. And he's kind of had a lower key season. And I think with Mohamed Sanu out, uh, a lot more snaps are going to open up. Mohamed Sanu, Sanu is sneakily uh, seeing more snaps than Calvin Ridley, I believe. He's sneakily uh, eating into a lot of the playing time for Calvin Ridley. And so I think Calvin Ridley is the biggest beneficiary here. Uh, granted, Matt Ryan is injured right now. We're not sure if he's going to play. So uh, like that that dampens things just for the short term. But I think long term here, you had Mohamed Sanu that was that was stealing targets and snaps from Calvin Ridley. And Julio's gonna get his always. Uh Austin Hooper's that 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 volume's not going to go anywhere. But now you're gonna see Calvin Ridley start to get more involved in the offense, I think. Um Brooks, do you have any any final thoughts on the Mohamed Sanu trade? Yeah, don't only again it only helps those other those ancillary pieces. I don't think it has as big of an effect on Julio as it does on Ridley and Hooper. So, I mean, and those have both historically been very big producers for that offense. So it's good stuff. And then Jetpack, do you want to talk about the move that your San Francisco 49ers made just this morning, afternoon? Yeah, so the trade was Emmanuel Sanders and a fifth-round pick for the Niners' third-rounder and fourth-round. So to me, that's not a trade that I would make, but again – um, I didn't build the team so that they're ready to compete to be one of the best in the NFL. So, you know, do what you guys want to do. I I like adding Emmanuel Sanders. I just think the cost was a little bit high. To, to me, Emmanuel Sanders is uh, one of the better route runners out there that was, was available. And we don't have a very strong receiver that can do those things. It says a lot about Dante Pettis. And it says a lot about the injuries that have happened to Debo Samuel and Jalen Hurd and where they think they, those guys are Taylor. at their health and, and Trent Taylor as well. Right. None of those guys are healthy. Um, and, and to give up a, a third and fourth round pick is very similar to the Muhammad Sanu thing. That's a huge, uh, it's a huge haul uh, for the, for the Broncos to get. So on their end, that's a no brainer, but it says too what, what the Niners think about their drafting. They're like, you know what? We just spent a second and a third rounder on Debo and Jalen, and they're not available. Screw it, right? Let's go get a stud that's been to the Pro Bowl, that has experience, you know, that can can do really anything we ask for of him on the field. Um, so I, I'm excited about what this means for the Niners, and I do believe that this means that they think that they can contend for a Super Bowl. I would agree with that. I think that we're contenders. I don't think we're ready. To, we have to beat the Seahawks first before I get excited about anything. But uh, that it says a lot about what what the Niners think that they are. Um, so as a as a Niner fan, I'm very excited. Um, I you know, and as a f- fantasy wise, I'm not sure what this does for Manny Sanders. What do you guys think? 
I think it hypes Corlin Sutton. Uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. If you don't I mean, don't mind me yeah. switching over to the Broncos side, I mean, Corlin Sutton might be a sneaky snag for you know league. I don't want to say league winner, but um, you know. A high end wide receiver two, if not borderline wide receiver one, moving forward because they don't really have anyone else, and he's good. I mean, he's proven himself to be a, a, a significant talent for the Broncos, and he and Flacco have a pretty good relationship because Flacco's been able to give him the ball. Uh, to my surprise, so I mean, I, I don't know who else could even step up into a relevant role in the Broncos passing game. Is there who? Who am I okay. even? The guy that you're that you because I think Cortland Sutton at this point is entrenched as the wide receiver one, and and, and Denver knew that, and so the and, and I think his price will be a little bit too high as far as fantasy to go and get him on the cheap. Um, he's he's being he's yeah, yeah it's too late. he broke out after after I made my video about him. Everybody knew. Yeah, um, that's actually very true, Rish. Your video I, was the start of Cortland Sutton's awesomeness. It was. That video was timed perfectly, but yeah. uh, but I think the guy that you're going out and you're looking at now uh, is Deshaun Hamilton because he fits perfectly into that yeah. Emmanuel Sanders role, and we have no clue what he's going to do yet. Uh, we really, yeah, we have really have no idea. We just know that Cortland Sutton has been matched up against the number one corner and he's excelled. So, like, you're very, very confident in his ability, but Deshaun Hamilton hasn't proven a ton yet. Uh, but he I has think, a lot of legitimate talent, like potential. Yeah, let me say it like that. He Not does. talent, but potential. He's always had a lot of potential. His issues have been off the field, uh, and you know he he was looked at as considered possibly better than you know Cortland Sutton at some some points in some circles, which obviously oh. is bogus. But you know he he can be a producer. I think he fits into the Emmanuel Sanders role pretty well. Uh, I think I think that's a, a pretty natural fit for him. So I think he absorbs that volume. Uh, they don't have a ton left there. Um, I don't, I don't think that changes much for the running backs. The running backs are getting plenty of volume. They have two, uh, RB twos on the team, which is actually phenomenal. Uh, so, so yeah, I think, I think Cortland Sutton stays entrenched and Deshaun Hamilton's the guy that you got to go try and get before he breaks out. I don't know if he will break out. I'm not, this is not a Deshaun Hamilton endorsement saying this is the guy, but I mean, if you're interested in the Denver passing game, which, eh, like, Deshaun Hamilton's the guy. It's not dude. been terrible. Yeah, it's not been completely terrible. It's been no. been okay. Um, my question here, last last thought is, uh, what does this do for George Kittle? Does it change anything with George Kittle at all? Uh, and I mean, like, that's that's all I really want to know is because. Uh, is because now they have a wide receiver that's proven and healthy and they didn't have that. So George, the past two seasons, really. So George Kittle was that number one, number one wide receiver. Uh, Jetpack, this one's really a question for you. Do you see, uh, I know George Kittle's an elite talent and he's probably the best tight end in the National Football League as far as talent goes. Do you think Emmanuel Sanders takes away from him at all? Or do you think uh, it, there, he's just going to be completely independent and... Uh, just going to enhance the passing game as a whole. No, I don't. I don't think it affects him. I don't, I'm not concerned about that. From a fantasy standpoint, I, I wouldn't be too worried. I think it's, it helps him personally. Yeah, it could totally help him. I mean, Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey, or there's plenty of examples of guys that pair up with receivers, and you need you need more room. 
more room to work. Kittle's been the only guy, right? Um, and so, yeah, you, no, you're happy. Uh, that Having someone that can there. stretch out a safety like yeah. Emmanuel Sanders allows for you to get underneath that safety with a tight end. So yeah. you're even more excited about George Kittle now. Yeah, I, I, mean, I am. Always. I'm not, I'm not worried about it interfering with his work, which is kind of what you're hitting at. I'm not worried about that. And and not that I was worried. I just wanted to bring up that point to see, is this anything that we should even consider? Or, like, is it just going – everyone's just going to be better now. The Niners are just going to um, continue to be better. And I think that's that's probably the right, uh, the right designation there. George Kittle, by the way, one of my favorite personalities in the NFL right now. He's, he's just so funny. Like – the dude, the dude's a riot on the field and off the field, and he's just got an awesome personality. So, when you find fantasy players that are or football players that are good for fantasy, and then also like really fun people, you like them a little bit more, and you have uh, a little bit more like attachment to them. So, big George Kittle fan over here. So, I, I had uh, a listener question from a uh, uh, on the twitters, and I wanted to get you guys' insight on it because I think it's actually a really tough question for me and uh, I think it's interesting so it's got to do with this guy was offered DJ Chark for a 2020 mid-range first so the range is going to be so 16-man league and so it, it ranges from 107 to 112 and a fourth uh, a fourth in 2020 so he already has three firsts for 2020 uh, and he has DJ Chark so knowing that would you trade DJ Chark for a twenty twenty first? He owns DJ Chark. No, sorry. Let me rephrase. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he <laughs> was offered for... DJ Chark, so yeah. he was get, yes. He's being offered yeah. DJ Chark. It, it doesn't really matter as far as the analysis is concerned, but yeah, he was offered DJ Chark for a twenty twenty first and a twenty twenty fourth. Okay. Uh, so how you want to look at this to really understand the value of those picks is figure out, you know, do I have a need for a blue chip running back? Do I have a need for another blue chip wide receiver? Are you going to get opinion, a, a, if, a blue chip running back at 107, and which is the earliest in the range that he gave me? I, I think you got a shot there, but what I would, I would make the trade for DJ chart is what I would do. Yeah. If I'm not in desperate need for a young, you know, running back specifically um i'm totally happy to take gj chark gj chark is what you hope your 2020 pick becomes and it's right. phenomenal to know what it is already so those Burn picks man. are still no matter what i mean those picks are going to be maybe like 60 percent right if you if you're good at drafting uh so yeah my opinion is yeah go out and get the guy yeah I, so my analysis there is uh, first of all, DJ Chark from an athletic standpoint, athletic profile standpoint, if those those people that get excited about athletic profiles, <laughs> he's got a, a a really good one. Uh, Show wing. Uh, the other thing is like, <laughs> DeFilippo's got a legit offense going. This is not the Jaguars offense of old. This is no. a legitimate passing attack that even with uh, you know, Gardner Minshew, if if Nick Foles somehow, somehow, by the grace of Napoleon Dynamite, comes back in and takes over <laughs> his starting role, then I don't see how, uh, I don't see 
how it has any effect on DJ Chark. I think DJ Chark is still the guy. He's the guy. so good. <laughs> and yeah. so for me, it's like, hey, you know how like, hype people were for Stefan Diggs before DeFilippo left? That's what you have right now. You have Stefan Diggs. Uh, you know, that it's the same type of, of more role athletic. For the most part. Yeah. It's a, well, from an athletic standpoint or from a profile standpoint, he's more athletic. <laughs> uh, Stupid so, profiles. I, I, I'm not, well, I say that with <laughs> tongue in cheek, right? Yes. You, you're uh, very, I hope that our listeners right specific. now get that. Uh, that is yeah. tongue in cheek. But so, yeah, I think I'm with you, man. I think I go DJ Jark side for the reasons, one being that he has an elite profile. Uh, he's really good on film. And DiFilippo is there to stay. And regardless of who's giving him the ball between Foles and Gardner Minshew, I think that he's still going to be able to maintain the production that we've seen this season. So uh, I, I am on the DJ Chark side. Despite how hyped up we believe in the 2020 class, it's always going to be a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. And I think it helps you win now. Uh, so I'm all about trading picks. I'm all, I, I love stockpiling picks, but if you can, I mean, if you know, it's going to be a mid to late one, uh, yeah, I mean, you're, that's the, you might as like the, the mid to late first are the same as the seconds, you know, cause they all have around right around the same hit rate because landing spot matters and you can get a gem in the second for the, like the, and, and, and get a complete bust at the end of the first. So, uh, absolutely. One in the hand is worth two in the bush. And I think, I mean, that's, yeah, I yeah. think that's the right call. Big facts. You can always trade for more picks, right? You cannot always trade for DJ Shark. Right. Exactly. Brooks, from your uh, tape standpoint, because you did a film review on him, what do you think of him as a route runner? So I think it was interesting to – I did he and Terry McLaurin pretty close at the same time. Yeah. And obviously Terry's faster. Uh, or at least feels faster on tape. But I do think uh, DJ Chark was the better run route runner between the two. And from what, what I saw, I, I did. What? I, like legit. Oh my gosh. Terry's a sick route runner. No, and Terry's, no it's, it's not a shot at Terry. It's not a shot at Terry. It's a, no, it's a, I know. It's a, That's a real to DJ Chark's legitimacy. So, oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, no, I, I'm, I think that, no, I, but I, I know like, I like the both of them. A whole well, lot. So, I'm going to go trade for DJ Chark. Yeah. If you're telling me he's a better route runner than Terry McLaurin, my goodness. I'll have to go and watch some more tape, and we, maybe we'll do a uh, comparison between. We, we absolutely should. We should. I, they're both. Uh, I think they're both four three seven guys. The, yeah, the thing that I said that, that they were fat, that he was faster, and I, I yeah. then I was like, I wasn't sure on that after I said it because I know Terry McLaurin is one of the fastest guys, but DJ Chark's also one of the fastest guys. Uh, I, I think that uh, that McLaurin has a little more issues with separation of the line than I've seen from Chark, and I, I haven't watched enough of Chark's film. Uh, and I was also concerned when I was watching the tape, that was like the week one of, not week one of the season, but week one of Gardner Minshew being the full-time starter, uh, the, the game that I watched. I forget which game it was now. And, was Texans. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I remember the week. It was a Thursday night football game. So uh, the issue for me is, is was originally whether or not Gardner was going to be able to get him the deep balls. And because in that game, he had at least two targets from Gardner Minshew that were complete. There's no way he was going to catch the ball, uncatchable for Chark. Uh, so, but he was getting huge amounts of separation versus in that situation that I'm thinking of was his zone coverage situation because he had a perfect gap in between the zone, between the, the mesh level of the corner 
I don't know if it was a corner or a nickel, but uh, the the initial shallow layer of the zone versus the safety, he created a, a great uh, separation between the safety and it, the ball just didn't come out there. So that has kind of proven so far, for the most part, to be uh, a unnecessary fear too, right? With with Gardner Minshew, I mean Minshew's been phenomenal. Too magic. Uh, yeah, no, he's been he's been very very good. I mean, he's been able to throw them, the ball over them there, mountains, mountains. which I don't know how many mountains there are in Jacksonville, so maybe that is part of the problem. <laughs> yeah, the whole the Just, whole state. Yeah, maybe he's okay, pointing so, all the so, way up to the Appalachians up north. Not sure. Uh, all right, so I have one last question for you for the show to end the show on this, um, and this is going to start with a space fact, and then and then oh, we'll get God. into my question. Praise. So space space fact on the factsite.com space fact number 22 Uranus's blue glow is due to the gases in his atmosphere and my question is Brooks's red hair glow due to the gases in his throat because he burps so much mm. it's very possible uh, it might be also I was just thinking um, some of your fancy teams might just be considered a blue go blue blue ball because they kind of just are a big emission of gas because most of your teams has just been a big fart goat i actually uh it was a decently average season for me actually my seasons have all sucked i I don't think i've had so many injuries uh i own tyreek and saquon and so many leagues it's just jetpack in my game this week uh, <laughs> terrible i had starting for me i had pat mahomes carrion johnson and adam thielen all of whom got injured in i think the first quarter uh maybe definitely in the first half none of them made it into the second half it still turned out to be a barn burner though what was the final score one oh, like 80 84.6 <laughs> to yeah like 83.6 or something and yeah, then jetpack, jetpack uh, had will fuller yeah, we have just like amazing teams, <laughs> but I had Will Fuller, David Johnson, and then Pat Mahomes actually outscored Carson Wentz. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> good stuff there. I think the starting lineups were awesome because so oh, my yeah, starting, our teams are amazing. My starting lineup was Pat Mahomes, Zeke, Michael Thomas, uh, Adam Thielen, Kenny Galladay, and Travis Kelsey. And Jetpack, you were starting. Uh, Carson Wentz, Mike Evans, David Johnson. Who are your Who are your other guys? Julio Jones. Uh, who cares? It's my, nobody cares about my fantasy team. They were awesome. But the deal there is Carson Wentz played the Dallas Cowboys, guys. Oh yeah. The okay. Dallas Cowboys just got torn up by Sam Darnold. I don't know what is wrong with the Eagles, but it is sad. It was so sad to watch that. And maybe it's a division game and the Cowboys are hot on, you know, being prime time or whatever, but ugh. maybe Carson was uh, seeing ghosts, man. Carson mm-hmm. might've been seeing ghosts. It, he's been different because he doesn't have the, the deep threat of Deshaun Jackson. And I know he, I mean, you really only had him for one week, but, but that game, he was explosive against, you know, Redskins, but the, the element that Deshaun brings is, is something that they don't have. They just don't have it. Um, so an, an early report actually on Carson once was that he got off the bus. They they actually before the game they made a quick trip to the moon. Uh, he got off the bus at the moon. He said, "Hey man, what do you think of the moon?" He go, moon's haunted. He said, "What? Hmm? Yeah, moon's haunted. We got to go." <laughs> and they left, and ever since then he's been seeing ghosts. So 
Yeah. Uh, I think that that's a going to be a, a recurring issue moving forward, honestly, because the moon's haunted and you can't unsee those things. No, I you really can't. Am, I th- don't know if you're talking about Carson Wentz or Sam Darnold there. Both. Both. <laughs> no, to be honest, it's both. No, it's, it's both. both. Uh, yeah. Sam Darnold, you know, you saw the ghosts. Uh, and then it's, it's kind of spread. It's it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a virus. It's like that. Uh, what's that scary movie? Uh, I don't want to get into it too much, but basically, it's uh, Let's talk have, about scary videos. It's a scary. I've been obsessed with scary scary YouTube videos lately. Uh, but there's it's a movie about uh, essentially this haunting that keeps occurring whenever uh, people get into a romantic relationship with one another, and it spreads the ghost. So it's kind of the same thing, but okay. with uh, defenses, the Cowboys' defense has been spreading ghosts oh, wow. to uh you know what you know quarterbacks so we're maybe about- it's a ginger thing maybe you know because andy dalton is definitely seeing some ghosts so <laughs> i don't know might be brooks maybe you're next oh well i know i'm about to go spread some ghosts <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know where that was going. I want to go. You go spread I some ghosts. Go. Oh, uh, I was going to say, I was going to say by going to sleep. Oh, yeah. Good one. Because it's, oh, it's oh, 10 nice, bro. It's 10 30 here, and this podcast won't download. <laughs> Moves on it, man. Oh, wow. Moves on it, man. <laughs> More down wow. All right. Well, spread those ghosts, boy. Blasting oh, off here. Yeah, <laughs> that's yep, the best I'll, one yet. I'll be blasting off. See you guys. <laughs> yeah, you will. Blasting off tonight. <laughs>